Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Joelle. Today, we are joined by Nancy Rivera, owner of Plus Bookkeeping Services, where the goal is to help small businesses understand their financials and use them as a planning tool to grow their business. Welcome, Nancy. How are you today? I am amazing. How are you guys doing? We are good. We're so excited to have you joining us for the podcast as a brand new member. We don't often get to interview members in their first couple weeks of membership, so this is definitely a first for us. Oh, great. Well, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm so happy that I became a member with uh, the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. The Chambers of Commerce have proven to be very resourceful for my business, and which is one of the reasons that I'm expanding my reach. And then, of course, uh, you guys have a very good reputation, an amazing community. It's a, it'll be a good resource for me as well because of the many businesses that you serve. So it's going to be a good match. I'm looking forward to a long-term relationship. Us too, Nancy. So we know you've worked for um, over 15 years in the accounting industry and you started Plus Bookkeeping in 2016. Can you tell us a little bit more about your career history and how you got into this field? Absolutely. Uh, In 2016, I had the amazing opportunity to reinvent myself, which is why I started the, the bookkeeping business. And I did strategically choose bookkeeping versus an accounting firm for the simple reason that uh, accountants have a reputation for being somewhat dry and they can be rude. And I did not want that. And I worked in corporate America, so I understand that it can be a pretty dry career. But um, here in America, 88% of our economy is small businesses. So it's just so important to me that we treat them with kindness and with respect and that we help them. It's very important to help them grow their businesses. And that's why I chose bookkeeping. Plus I have to say that I like crunching the numbers. For me, it's like playing Legos. And I did also choose the name plus bookkeeping because plus means to add value and advantage. And that's really what I want to do for my clients is to add value and advantage to them personally, you know, to, for them to understand uh, other things about their business, you know, not just the numbers, but uh, to help them also even discuss, you know, situations with their families. Money is a topic that makes some people feel uncomfortable and in fact in some cultures it's taboo and for women to talk about money it's like you know you're only supposed to talk about it when you go shopping and it's like no we want to start investments start creating our own businesses and make more money you know we live in a fabulous probably the best country in the whole world it's founded on on entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is something that's just going to keep keep happening. We're going to see more and more of it. I think also with the younger generation, they will probably start businesses long before my generation did. You know, they will start businesses at an earlier age. And especially with all the technology that we have, it's just amazing the opportunities that we have. So that's why I started this business. 
I, it's one of my goals to help businesses graduate from the shoeboxes to electronic systems. It's so important to help them establish processes and, and procedures, you know, to have systems in place. And uh, I, the main thing I want them to do is to use the financial statements as planning tools to help them grow and to make wise decisions and to position them for business opportunities. Right now is an excellent example with the, uh, the monies that are available from the Small Business Administration. Many small businesses were not able to capitalize and apply for those monies because they did not have their financials ready. Most of the businesses that were able to apply for those funding opportunities did it quickly. They had their financials ready. And that's why it's just so important. I also love teaching financial literacy and entrepreneurial workshops. So that's why I started the business. I love what I'm doing. I love it when my clients are growing, when they understand what uh, the, the financials are about and they're making wise decisions and they're happy. Well, we always like to, um, to have folks in the service industry sort of walk us through um, the process of, of starting a relationship with you. Um, what does that look like from the initial consult phone call to actually um, going through someone's kind of financial background and getting, getting everything in order for them, getting them out of the shoebox, as you said? Exactly. We usually start with a consultation to find out a little bit more about their business so that I can understand a little bit more about what their business is, what their service or product is about, to also find out what accounting system they have in place at the time and what would work better for them. And, and then also it's so important to select the right entity. So I, I always advise my clients to, to take time to make the right decisions, to select the right entity for their businesses uh, because that will impact their taxes. So that's one of the reasons that you, you will hear a lot of people say, criticizing the rich people. And actually, I'm, I, I uh, am pro-rich. I like wealth. But one of the reasons that the wealthy are wealthy is because they have selected the right entities for their businesses. They're, they have a tax strategist on their team. Um, and they know how to use uh, the taxes to their advantage. So it's just so important to make those decisions from the onset uh, because it's all about knowing what tax bracket you're going to fall into. And then to take advantage of all the wonderful deductions that we can take advantage of. So uh, that's usually how the conversation starts. And I also get a feel for how they uh, a personal feel because part of my business, one of the things that makes us unique is that we tailor our services to the client. And in that, we also tailor the communication. How do we communicate with one another? Some clients are strictly email. Others want a phone call and, and others want face-to-face. Um, -face. So it depends. I, I do provide one of the things that makes our business unique is that tailored, customized service that we give them. 
So it sounds like you sort of dipped into that a little bit with your last response here, but you also offer financial coaching as well. Can you walk us through what that might look like for someone you've just met who's interested in using your services for financial coaching? Absolutely. That is uh, part of my services and it, it kind of is just oozes out of us because we want them, number one, to understand their financial statements. So we will take time to show them, you know, this is how much money came out and this is how much is going out. We've had a couple of clients that have been able to make really wise decisions. Once they got had that visual, for example, I had one client that when he looked at his cash flow statement, he said, wow, all of my money is going to payroll. So what he did, he was able to restructure his team. So he made a really intelligent decision. He decided that he would let go of those that required a lot of training because they did not have the skills. So he then for those that had a lot of skill, he gave them an increase in their wages. So he restructured his team. So therefore he was saving time training people that didn't have the skills and then he could pay more to those that did. Another client of mine, when she looked at her cash flow statement, she said, all of my money is going to rent. So when she saw that, she then was able to select another location. And she was able to save, you know, over $2,000 per year just by knowing where the money was going. And so then that's one of the... Uh, one of the examples of making sure that they, could, they understand those money coming in and out. Another thing that we do is, for example, I do advise them to at least have savings account. You would be amazed at how many people do not have a savings account and they don't have that cushion for emergencies. It's recommended that we have at least six months savings so that if you can't work for six months, you having at least six months of rent or mortgage so that you can cover that. But you would be amazed. I mean, it is frightening and it's phenomenal how many people do not have a savings account. So I coach them from the beginning, you know, set it up automatically. Even if it's just $25 a month, set it up automatically. So Things like that, which may, may seem really simple, it is simple, but it's just so important. So, you know, to have your savings account, to understand the money that's coming in and going out. One of the clients that I first uh, engaged with was, uh, he said, I see all this money coming in and it's, it's good money. It's about $250,000 per year. He says, but there's never any money in the bank. So he had to see where that money was going. That visual is just so important. So I do take time to make sure that they understand that. Yes, I, I saw on there that you, um, you had a, a blog posting about the, the 50, 30, 20 kind of rule that you have for people with saving and, and making sure that you save 20% of your paycheck. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's pretty frightening. And I I I will tell people even from my own experience, it took me a while to be able and to 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 have the discipline of automatically putting that money aside. 
I mean, it took me a while. So I understand. So I, I would never tell, uh, uh, you know, treat my clients like, you know, well, shame on you because you don't have this. No, I understand. It takes discipline. And it takes um, not only the discipline, but knowing, for example, thinking, you know, how can you save money? I always give people this formula. If they say that they need more money, I always tell them you have to do one of two things. One, you have to either earn more or spend less. So if you're not in a position to earn more, spend less. Find a way to get good deals. You know, um, I'm not against coupon shopping at all. I love those savings. Uh, and I think I deserve them. You know, if you're shopping at a store all the time, they should give you those bonuses. So that formula, and I hope that, that nobody uh, forgets it. The formula is if you want more money, you're going to have to earn more or spend less. Well, that's very good and helpful advice. And I'm sure if um, you know, folks were practicing that kind of before COVID hit in March, they'd be in better positions now. But I know that, that you know, folks are facing you know, hard, hard challenges financially at this time. So, I mean, we have a, a, a few other questions about about taxes, but I wanted to kind of go into, you know, how has your business changed um, since the pandemic and, and what, you know, what new issues do you see folks facing um, and do you have any advice for those kind of struggling financially at this time? I've been really blessed in that my business has not been adversely affected at all. In fact, my business has grown um, and that's because I've discovered more clients, you know, through the chambers and, and networking. And um, at this point in time, in order to, there's a couple of things that people have to do. And number one is that they do have to have their financials in order, in order to apply for those monies. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to compete for those dollars. The other thing is to think of strategic ways of how they can do new business. So for example, restaurants, some restaurants have had to totally close down. Uh, one of my clients is a restaurant and they've actually grown. They've, their sales have increased. Why? Because he has engaged more delivery services and he has um, offered discounts. And he's, we've increased the, the marketing. So we really uh, pressed down, increased the marketing, gave more discounts, uh, increased those deliveries. So that's one example. Now, some businesses have suffered and, and they really did not have too much, too many options. For example, the beauty industry. Uh, I have a, a business who's in the, uh, hairdressing industry, they suffered a lot because it was just impossible to have that, that physical touch. So for them, um, their, their savings there would have been critical for them to have the savings. And it would have also been really critical for them to have their financials ready so that they could have some, get some monies to carry them over during this time until they could reopen. So it really does depend on your industry because like I said, my restaurant client, his sales have increased. The, the, the clients in the construction industry, they had a little slump 
in the beginning of the pandemic, but now things have picked up again. So it really does depend on the, on the, the type of business. But it also, if I could dare say this, it also depends on the mindset, which you have to have a strong uh, fortitude, a, a determined will that you're not going to uh, give, give in. Another business that I know of, what they did was that they offer frozen foods. They, so right now she couldn't give uh, warm food or samples, but her food can be frozen and it has a lifespan of up to a year. So she put her food online and started shipping it out. I mean, she's doing really well. She did have to find out, for example, the freezing process, how to package it and how to get it delivered. But she's doing very well. So she, the popular term that we're using today, right, is pivoting. So that's exactly what she did. I mean, she and she's doing very well. It took a lot of courage, though. And, uh, and having a team is really important. Your financial team, of course, talking to, you know, your bookkeeper and accountants and so forth. But also having a financial coach is really very, very important. I work very closely with the Women's Business Development Center, and they offer a lot of resources. And nowadays, they're not limited to just women, by the way. But uh, I've given webinars for them. But also, we have a lot of small business development centers, and some of them have even come into the chambers and at the banks to give um, webinars and information sessions for the small businesses. And that's actually a good segue. Um, our next question, uh, we were hoping you could tell us a little bit more about the work you do with the Latin American and Hispanic communities. We understand about 40% of your clients are Spanish speaking and that National Hispanic Heritage Month, which honors the heritage, culture, and contributions of Hispanic and Latin American individuals just actually concluded this past week. What can you tell us about the communities you work with, Nancy? Yes, it, you know, I do not have an industry niche. The only niche that I have at this point in time in my business is the uh, Latinos. I am fluent in Spanish, it was my first language. I'm also a professor at the Hispanic Bible School where I teach administration and I present administration workshops and even QuickBooks in Spanish. So for me, it's just a thrill and an honor to speak the, the language of finance in Spanish. We have over 1.4 million Latino businesses in the United States. So to be able to communicate the language of finance in Spanish to them just makes them feel more comfortable. They have a greater understanding of the financials and they can speak freely. Uh, so that's why it's just so important. But again, the Hispanic community has a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, even to the point where you will see a woman selling tamales on the street if she has to. Um, and, and in some, some neighborhoods, those sell very well. You know, I, I know because there's a couple of corners that I, <laughs> that I look for the vendors, you know, for those yum-yums. But that goes to show the entrepreneurial spirit that they have. But even there, 
I remember I sat down with a woman who used to sell tamales and these were, I mean, she would get to the corner and within the hour and a half, she was sold out. And, she, and I asked her one day um, about her pricing because I thought she could sell them for more. I know I would willingly pay for more. So when I asked her, I said, you're selling them for $1.50. Uh, and they were definitely worth it. But I said, have you thought about how long it takes you to prepare the tamale, all the cost that gets, goes into it, you know, the, and I'm not a cook, but I know that it takes flour and the meat and, and all the time. I said, are you getting a salary? Are you paying yourself or are you just breaking even? And her eyes got huge because she was barely breaking even and and then but the key thing that I told her was value I said I personally would pay more for your tamale because that's how good they are you're giving us value we would willingly pay more in this way you could make a greater profit so it was just that basic understanding to being able to communicate that to her in in the language that she could understand it and it just, I'm sure it just changed her whole perspective. And it's just so important that in many aspects of our life that we communicate value, not only financial value, but personal value, that human capital, you know. Um, could she ever hire somebody to help her? Now she's creating jobs and she can become the visionary of her business. That's something that I, I always share with my clients. Position yourself so that you can be the visionary. There's another formula that I love talking about, and that's the 80-20. When we are in business, 80% of our business should be marketing and sales, and 20% should be operation. But what happens a lot of times is that small businesses have actually just created a job for themselves. Now they are their own boss. Hallelujah. That's amazing to be your own boss. But now you're working 12 and 16 hours per day. You don't have a team. There's this great book, which I, I recommend to everybody. It's called E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And in this book, he gives this great example. Okay, so now you have a little store, right? But you're the one who orders all the products. You're the one who opens the boxes and stocks the shelves. You're the one that's running to the cashier to um, service people and you're also the one that's sweeping and mopping at night you don't have a business you have a job and you're going to wear yourself out so it's just so important to also teach those administrative skills to build your team to delegate to um, help others grow as well so it's a whole concept that people need to understand did i answer your question there yeah, that was uh, wonderful. What a great story. So you sort of answered this next question a little bit um, by touching on, you know, you know, one pitfall of, of a small, you know, a small business owner kind of runs into. But can you talk a little bit more about other common pitfalls or hurdles um, small, business owner, small business owners encounter as they're starting out? Yes. Um, for example, this is really basic, but it's so critical. Having a separate checking account for the business. Now in the beginning, we all, we all have to use our personal monies 
to start the business. But as soon as they can, it's critical that they open up a separate checking account for the business. Um, and it's also against the law to commingle monies. But uh, it's just so important that they do that. It's also really important that as soon as they can, they also have a business savings account because you never know uh, when you're going to have an emergency. For example, if you're in the restaurant industry, what if you all of a sudden you need a new grill or a fan or a sign? Uh, so to have that business savings account is really important. So to separate the, the, the personal from the uh, business is critical. Also selecting the right entity is really important as well. And to do that from the onset as soon as they can is really important. And then for them to start building their team. So for example, Plus Bookkeeping Services is a nexus of bookkeepers, accountants, and tax strategists. So when, when someone comes to me, they're getting the bookkeeper who's gonna be posting the monthly transactions. And because of my experience, the, the accountant emerges also. So the difference between a bookkeeper and accountant, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, the difference is that a bookkeeper tracks the monthly transactions, but an accountant works with the financial statements and they, they know how to communicate those results. And, but I also work with CPAs that are tax strategists. The CPAs that I work with then are able to prepare my clients' tax returns. So when someone comes to me, they have everything. It's a, like a one-stop shop. They come to me, I, I take care of the monthly reconciliations, etc. I can give them their financial statements. And then at the end of the year, I give all of that to my tax strategist and we get their tax returns done. And they only have to come to me. I'm the intermediary for everything. Now, for those that are savvy enough to have uh, communications with the CPA tax strategist, then they can go directly to them. But most of my clients just bring everything to me and I'm the one who process it for them. And it just makes it very smooth. Another thing that I have is a strong network of attorneys and insurance agents. Again, making it a one-stop shop. So this very morning today, one of my clients called me and asked me, do you know of an attorney that can handle family law for one of my relatives? And within two hours, I had, I had connected them. Because just having that network of, of resources for them. And then this is less stress for them to have to be worrying you know, about their families. And uh, so it just, it's added value. That's something that I always look to do is how can I add value to my clients? So for example, during this time, one of the things that I've done is that I've helped a couple of clients with marketing. Uh, I, you know, I've designed some uh, posters for them on Canva or um, just given them some recommendations. I've even, I've even had some clients join the Chambers of Commerce because if they're good to me, I'm going to definitely recommend them to, to my clients. In fact, I am thinking right now that I know one of my clients could really benefit from Andersonville. So there'll be a recommendation coming your way. <laughs> That's great. Um, 
Well, I know you were just touching on taxes, so we, we did want to circle back to a couple of these questions we had. Um, so we know for um, individuals like myself and Laura, we pay taxes once a year, but for a small business, it's often more frequent than that, at least quarterly, correct? Can you speak to the differences between individual filing and business filing? Yes, if, if individuals, yes, they usually do it once a year, but if you are a, uh, a, a freelancer, you can also pay estimated taxes quarterly because as a freelancer, whoever you is contracting you is not paying your taxes. So if you pay it quarterly, then at the end of the year, your, your tax bill will be less. But one of the quarterly tax filings too is if you have employees. So if you have employees, they have, you have to file the 941 on a, on a quarterly basis. That's something else that I don't do payroll taxes, but I have a, a resource and my clients go directly to this payroll company that I work with. And it's a payroll company that I selected simply because of that AAA customer service. They're not a large company, but if you need them, I mean, within minutes, they get back to you. So it's just so important. So I do outsource the payroll. But 1099ers, as we call them, do have to pay their own taxes. So it's just better, you know, to pay it quarterly. And then this way, it's just less burden at the end of the year. And then also for my clients who have large tax bills at the end of the year, we also set up estimated tax payments. And at the end of the year, it's just, it's just so much more, um, less painful when you've already prepaid your tax bill. Well, I imagine um, there's probably been an uptick in folks receiving 1099s just because of the increase in, you know, Instacart delivery folks and Amazon Prime. I'm sure that those are all, you know, those end up being 1099 employees. Right. Exactly. And I hope that if they, if this, if they're not paying estimated, I always recommend that put the money aside because you will have to pay that tax bill. If you're not paying taxes throughout the year, you will have to pay it at the end of the year. So if they're not paying estimated, it's just really important that they set that money aside down. Well, Nancy, you've been so thorough. Um, thank you so much for your responses to all of our questions so far. We're going to move into our rapid fire ending here, which is a little bit new, but it's just meant to kind of loosen you up and learn more about you and whatever comes to your mind first for some of these rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What was your first job? My first job, I was actually had a, <laughs> a newspaper route. And I was a babysitter. When, that was like when I was 11 or 12. So I was thinking about that, that, you know, I was an entrepreneur at a very early age. But my first job in the accounting industry was with this CPA in San Francisco because I was working on my master's degree at Golden Gate University. And my first job was with a CPA who was also an attorney. And all of his clients were small businesses, like the local cleaners or the little mom and pop shop, or the local liquor store. And so I was reminiscing about that, how funny it is that now we've come full circle and I'm also serving small businesses. 
But I loved that job because I just learned so much from that job. And then from there, I went to public accounting. You know, we did audits. And I remember when I made the decision that I would stay in private accounting to be on that other side of the desk. So it, it, was, it was a nice career, but um, it wasn't as much fun as it is today, having my own business and serving small clients, small businesses. Well, that's great. Who would you say has been your greatest influence or mentor um, who has kind of helped shape you as a person or your career path? That's a good question. Well, I am a woman of faith. So I do believe that God has guided me and he's been very kind. I do have mentors though, and I have coaches. So I would say that my coach, uh, Laurel Langmire, who's an international coach, has been very influential because she speaks about money. And so she's, and I've learned so much from her, but even closer, I have a coach that I meet with monthly, Deborah Minor Harvey, who I can disclose all of my business to, and she keeps me on track. She, um, well, she is also very resourceful. So, and then I read a lot. I read a lot of books. So even the book that I mentioned, E-Myth. E-Myth was critical when I first started my business. I did, I did not want to make that mistake of having having created a job to myself. So virtual coaches are really important too, like, you know, the author, Michael Gerber. But I would say Laurel Langmire, Deborah Minor Harvey, who are still in my life to this day, after so many years. So a coaching relationship is not something that is, is temporary. If you're going to grow your business, you do need a coach and a mentor. So it's just really, and someone who you can be very candid with and someone who can put, you know, put you back on track if you get off track. So that's really important. All right. Have you picked up any new skills or hobbies during the pandemic? No, I haven't. The only thing that I've done is uh, uh, created, lent, you know, I've added more value to my clients. So for example, I did a stint in corporate America 10 years in marketing. So I've added uh, marketing to my, to the value that I offer my clients. But um, one, another thing that I, I do stay very brushed up on is QuickBooks because I definitely want to be a master when it comes to QuickBooks. And so that is something that I'm constantly getting more training on. I mean, on a weekly basis, I'm learning more and more about QuickBooks. Most of my clients are on QuickBooks. I still have some that are on Excel, but that is something. So any, um, to answer that question, I would say QuickBooks. I've mastered <laughs> that and, uh, and then marketing skills. Those and, I, and I know you mentioned Canva, which is a great free marketing resource tool out there. Do you have any other free marketing tools that you have become a master on as well? MailChimp. MailChimp, oh my goodness, everybody has to have a database. How right. important is that? And so another thing I must share with you is that I have this amazing intern. I've always contracted interns and I pay them very well because they become an integral part of my team. And so, and I coach them, I teach them how to become entrepreneurs. 
You know, I always tell them when you get out of college, yes, you will probably get a job, but start thinking about having your own business. So uh, I give them the, I give her the content and then she prepares my email campaigns, my blogs, and she does the research for me. And uh, so MailChimp is just, it's a free data, it's, you know, it's a free database and it's so easy to use and they're getting better and better. It's free up to 2,000 contacts. And then I think you have to pay more. Yeah. We're big fans of MailChimp too at the chamber. That's what we use. Not yeah, and I, more. <laughs> right. Us, but. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, I wonder if we polled, you know, a thousand people, how many, how many would say QuickBooks was something they mastered yeah. during <laughs> pandemic. So maybe you're, maybe you're the, the one, the one in, <laughs> the one in a thousand. I've learned so much more about QuickBooks in the last, uh, this year, this year, because another type of client that I serve are clients that are way behind in their tax returns. And so it's so important that once again, I do not put shame or guilt on them. I always tell them we can get you out of this ditch. We'll just start with the year that you're behind and we'll just go year by year and we'll get you all caught up. And so having clients that are behind on QuickBooks, that's one of the reasons that I was able to even master more skills on QuickBooks because I've been working with clients that are like four years behind. So I had to, I had to make sure that everything was still current on QuickBooks so that I could go and start reconciling and pulling them out of, out of the ditch. But those are the type of clients too. So uh, anybody who's behind, it's just so important to help them overcome that fear or that guilt. And just, I always tell them, so we can help you get caught up. We'll do it year by year and we'll dig you out of the ditch. <laughs> well, I don't even know, um, you know, if you'd have a, a, an answer for this, but if you weren't a bookkeeper, what would you be doing instead? That's a good question. I appreciate that question. Um, I, I do... Um, I am a writer, so if it were financially possible, I would be a full-time writer. Uh, the, the reason that I am a bookkeeper is because uh, it does pay the mortgage, praise God. <laughs> but it also gives me the luxury of working Monday through Thursday from 9.30 to 4.30, and then I can work on Friday and Saturdays on my creative endeavors, and then I can also teach at the Hispanic Bible School. So if I could do those two things, teaching and writing on a full-time basis, and you know what? I believe I will someday. I am planning for that. In fact, just a couple of days ago, I went over my, my own financials, and I said, in four years, I have another plan. <laughs> and I could live in Costa Rica, and still do your books because we have QuickBooks online. So we got a plan. <laughs> I don't know about you, Laura, but I feel like Nancy could be an excellent life coach too. I think so. COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have your goals and you're making it happen. And that's just really refreshing to hear. And I feel like we're all sort of in this fog and have no idea what we're doing half the time. So it's really refreshing to have you on today and and see you so focused and smart about how you're moving forward. So bravo. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you use the key word, you use the word focus. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
focus is a skill that everyone should develop. And you know what? It requires time to think. A lot of people do not think. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that only 5% of the population thinks and the, the other 95% would rather die than think. <laughs> but really, it does take time to think. And then that sometimes you have to stop and think in that introspection. You have to go inside yourself and find out what's in there and really tap into your desires. Uh, another statistic that I've heard people mention is that people don't know what they want. That's, that's frightening. Because, and the reason is, is because they haven't taken the time to tap into their soul, their desires. What is it that they really want? Because when they do that, one of the first things they're going to run into is this wall that says, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? And then God forbid that you go ask some relative who doesn't know anything, because they're going to say, go get a real job. <laughs> but... So it's just so important. You know, we only live once. So it's just so important to really do what you want to do. And uh, one thing, when I reflect upon my career, when I think about that I was in accounting, that I was in marketing, I had, uh, I made a decision very early in my career that I was not going to get to be 60 or 70 years old and then sit down and say, you know, I wonder what would have happened if I had tried that. No, I tried it. I liked it. They worked for a while. Now we're going to go on to something else. Well, this has been amazing, Nancy. And I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you. I really appreciate this. And I'm looking forward to also contributing in any way that I can to the Anderson Chamber of Commerce. I think that this is a good investment and that it's going to be a really a, a good mutual relationship. So I thank you very much. I've been honored really honored by this time. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Nancy and Plus Bookkeeping Services, please visit plusbookkeepingservices.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, Please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.